0: Everybody, come on and make your way in. If you can hear my voice, but you can't see me, make your way on in. This is where it's going to happen this morning. We're so glad to see all of you. This is where we're going to have our time of worship together. We're going to worship God through music in just a minute. We love to do that here at Trinity, and we're going to worship the Lord through opening His Word together, and of course, praying together, and continuing to enjoy some fellowship a little bit later. So there's a lot going on here at Trinity this morning, but um, I just invite you to come and find your seat, take your place, and uh, begin to prepare your hearts and uh, rest your minds as uh, we bring our focus and attention on the Lord, as it should be. You know, it is good and right to gather together on a Sunday morning to uh, bring our offering of praise to God and to do it together. I often talk about the, the beauty and the importance of corporate worship. Hopefully you've been worshiping all throughout the past week, but this is the, the first morning of a brand new week, and we get to, uh, to begin it together with uh, words of encouragement and hope and even challenge as we follow the Lord Jesus together. And so uh, what I'd like to do is I'm going to read from the Word of the Lord from one of the Psalms. The Psalms were uh, the, really the songbook, the ancient Jewish people, and they They were songs that they would sing on all different occasions to bring their focus and attention, their worship to the Lord. So I'm going to read from a couple of passages from Psalm number 9, and then pray for us. And then we will have a time together as we stand to, to worship the Lord through song, all right? So here is the word of the Lord as our call to worship this morning. In Psalm 9 it says I will give thanks to the Lord with my whole heart I will recount all of your wonderful deeds I will be glad and exult in you I will sing praise to your name O Most High the Lord is a stronghold for the oppressed a stronghold in times of trouble and those who know your name Put their trust in you, for you, O oh Lord, have not forsaken those who seek you. Do you know that name of Jesus this morning. Let's stand together and worship Him through song.
1: seal the promise your everybody body began to breathe and out of the silence the
0: is our living hope. Amen? Amen. Take a minute to greet one another and give a word of encouragement to
2: your brothers and sisters.
0: Alright, as, uh, as our kids make their way down the hall, they get to have their time of worship in the Word. Um, our children are going down to their classes. We thank all of our teachers for that. You can make your way back to your seats. If only I had a microphone and people could hear me, right? Wouldn't that be great? <laughs> Praise the Lord for good fellowship. Praise the Lord for... Uh, Getting, um, you know, getting caught up with friends and family that we haven't seen in a little while. It's good that you're here. Uh, before we uh, dive into God's Word together, just some, uh, some church life updates. We like to do this before we open the Word of the Lord together, just to be caught up on where we are in the life of the church. So I have a bunch of uh, quick announcements for you this morning. Um, the first is that, We have um, our Dig Deeper, Um, remember our Bible study, Dig Deeper, that has moved from uh, Wednesday night to Sunday morning, so that is our first announcement for this morning, that we are moving our Dig Deeper uh, to Sunday morning, and we did that for the the first two um, two, uh, Sundays, we started two Sundays ago, and then this morning we finished up, and so Dig Deeper, we just actually did two um, we did two Sundays on the life of Peter, and that was a great introduction to our um, our new series that's starting uh, today. Because we're starting to look at the Book of Peter, First uh, Peter, and then Second Peter, letters that he wrote to Christians around the, the known area there. And so uh, that was a good way to introduce that. But our Dig Deeper series has moved to Sunday morning, so from nine thirty to uh, ten fifteen. We are doing that, and uh, I would encourage all of you to come out. We've been having a great, uh, a great time the last two weeks, and so next week, March sixth, um, our Elder Bruce Neary will be teaching a four-week series on the the early parts of Genesis, the Genesis account of creation and the flood. And so, if you want to learn all about, uh, you know, the days of creation were they truly really twenty-four hour days? What about Adam and Eve? Were they real people, how did God create them, what what do other people think about that story and that account of God's creation, about Noah and the ark, and you know, we're going to get into some details, and so I'd really encourage you to grab one of our our notebooks that we have available at the Connection Center, and join our Elder Bruce Neary and a large group of people to to come out for at least the next four Sundays in the mornings before our worship service to learn all about that, and so uh, it's going to uh, prove to be a great time of learning and digging deeper into God's Word. So again, that's every Sunday morning from 9.30 to 10.15. So come a few minutes early, grab your cup of coffee and, um, and a snack, and make your way down to our Classroom A, where we will have that, um, uh, that class every Sunday morning. Then, of course, we have other ways to get involved here to learn, grow, and serve. We have our community group that meets on Tuesday nights, that meets here Currently at the church, if you have any questions, you can ask Mark or Paula Bullock about that. Uh, But it meets here at 7 o'clock on Tuesdays. It's a great way to get to know each other and to be able to pray in a more personal way for one another and to grow uh, together as disciples of Jesus Christ. So take advantage of that. Tuesday mornings here at the church, we have our men's and women's Bible studies. And uh, we are currently going through the Gospel of Luke. And um, when we study those together, it's uh, men... Early six thirty to seven thirty, and then the ladies from nine thirty to eleven. So I encourage you to join us for those. Uh, today, after our service, is uh, the annual business meeting, and um, so right after service, maybe about ten minutes or so, we can have a little time of fellowship, and and uh, then we'll meet in the back. And uh, everyone is welcome to stay. We don't just go through our budget, although it's a very really important thing that we do, beginning of every new year. And the members get to vote on that, but we'll also be hearing uh, about our ministries, get an update on our ministries from last year and what's going on, uh, you know, looking forward to this year, uh, but also I'll be sharing more about our mission vision as a church. I'll be talking in more detail about our Discipleship Pathway Initiative, which you've heard me talk about, and that's going to be uh, launched uh, next month, beginning of the spring. And uh, we'll talk about our new theme for this year and our theme verse. So please stick around for that meeting. It's a brief meeting, but it's important. And it's important that the church gets together regularly, at least once a year, right? To take care of the business of the church and be reminded of who we are, where we've been, and where we are going. Amen? And so that'll take place just a few minutes after we end our worship service this morning. And then later tonight is the opportunity I've been talking about to... Uh, to join our missions team and to go and to serve. And actually, um, tonight, it's a little less of service and a little more of getting to know one of our important ministry partners. And so, you know that for a while now, we've been partnering with a local mission. It's a Jersey Shore rescue mission in Asbury Park. We partner with them not only financially, but we pray for them and we send, uh, we send volunteers to go in to help them. We've done a lot of that. Last year, make sure at our meeting you read the report from the missions team but all the times we got to serve there. But tonight, they have their, their regular chapel service from 7 to 8. And uh, we have the great privilege of being able to go and lead in the chapel. And so a couple of us will be sharing from the Word of God and testimony and be leading the worship. And so you can just come on out, and you don't have to sign up for it. Anybody can come from 7 to 8, and you'll get to, to be a part of the service. But you'll get to meet some of the men that are part of this program and learn a little bit more about what they do at that rescue mission. So it's a great opportunity, especially if you've ever been interested in what that mission actually does, where it is, what it looks like, get to look at the facility and and, uh, get to know some of the men that are in that amazing program. So that's a great opportunity uh, to take advantage of for tonight. A few more things. Uh, Next week, which is March Yes, it's March already. Next week is our fellowship lunch. And so, of course, we like to do that um, every month. We skip this month for a few different uh, unforeseeable things that happen. But uh, we have our lunch back. We're getting close to our our monthly barbecues. But we'll have our potluck uh, fellowship lunch next Sunday. So uh, make sure that you're coming out. You just bring a dish to share. Bring enough for for yourself and to, to share with a bunch of other people. Okay, So we'll do that next Sunday. After service, we know that we all love to, to fellowship and enjoy a good meal together. So that will be uh, next week. Of course, we will also have our communion service. That's um, We end our, our worship service with communion and then go right into our fellowship lunch. Uh, remember, stay updated with what's going on here at Trinity. You can get text updates. Uh, and so you can just text that word, Join Trinity, to that number, 84576. You can also be part of our prayer email list. That's important because we. Send emails out about a prayer request and then of course we give updates and uh, what's going on and in uh, how those prayers are being answered and so make sure you sign up for our prayer emails as well we also have uh, the podcast i mentioned uh, myself and a couple of local pastors pastor dave berkey from the uh, allenwood church down the road and pastor mike morgan from shiloh baptist church in downtown manisquan we get together every thursday and we record a podcast and so it's video and audio. And uh, we just started that up again a few weeks ago, so the past episodes are available, but it's a real blessing for me, uh, but we also get to then hopefully bless you. And we talk for about a half hour, 40 minutes on a particular passage as we go through the Bible in a year. We pick a passage from that week and expound upon it, talk about it, look at areas of application, share our own stories. So it's a wonderful time, as many of us listen to podcasts throughout the week. To learn and to grow that's where you can find it so what the podcast it's uh, linked to our website you just go to our website and look under resources for so what the podcast but also wherever you uh, subscribe to your podcasts um, and uh, spotify apple wherever you do that you just look for that logo the sojourning and in there you'll see all the daily bible readings and where it says extra you'll see that it's our longer discussion so Great opportunity uh, to continue to learn and to grow, and uh, so make a note of that. Uh, our Discipleship Pathway Initiative, which again will launch next week, um, I wrote a blog about that, and it's on our website, trinityallenwood.com. So if you haven't done so already, I encourage you to go to the website and read it. It gives a little bit more uh, information about what it's about. I'm going to be sharing some of that today uh, after service at our business meeting. And so uh, this is um, super important. It's going to, I think, really become part of the culture here at Trinity to help us learn and grow and serve and to pursue the path of discipleship that Jesus calls each of his believers on. And so I'm excited about this new platform. Again, it's not a program or an event. It's a platform that we will use, an initiative to help us to, uh, to grow together as disciples uh, on the pathway to Jesus Christ. All right, and so uh, read the blog and stay for the meeting, and you'll learn more about it and about what it's going to look like when we launch it next month. And then uh, today, a couple more things. Today we are starting our new sermon series, in 1 and First and Second Peter, we'll do those um, consecutively, and it's called "Following Jesus in a Hostile World." And uh, very timely, I think that we would open the books of First and Second Peter to see how it is that we are to live as Christians in a world that is becoming more and more hostile to our faith. And so he, of course, the Apostle Peter, has much to say in these short books for us uh, today. And then finally, of course, before we, um, we look into God's Word, we want to pray. We want to pray for the people in Ukraine and the people in Russia as well is an opportunity for you uh, to sign up for an hour, um, the same hour for each day this coming week to pray. It's an opportunity to commit to pray for an hour. And um, people won't see your name, but you can go onto the website, journeyallenwood.com. right at the top of the main page, there's a banner, and it explains that you can sign here. Just click on that. It'll bring you to one of our pages, and uh, you can sign up to do that. And you'll see a list of all the hours that are still available. Many have been filled already. Praise God for that. But we want to cover each 24-hour period as best we can with people that are committed to pray for that hour uh, for what's going on over in Ukraine. And so take advantage of that. And of course, no one will know but you and God that you signed up for that. But it's a commitment that we offer to you. And of course, if you choose not to do that, please be praying anyway for um, all that we know has been going on. And, and if you're like me, you've been watching the news a lot more than maybe you had been recently and been following the events over in uh, in the Ukraine and been seeing many stories and videos and hearing reports and, and hearing people that are caught up in, in the war over there, what's going on. And so we want to uh, say a special prayer over them this morning and then also wanted to highlight that, that, um, that we are able to Uh, to pray for them. Before I do, before I lead us in in a prayer for the people there in in the Ukraine, I wanted to read this to you. This is Psalm chapter 2. Psalm chapter 2 says this, Why do the nations rage and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together Kiss the Son, lest he be angry and you perish in the way, for his wrath is quickly kindled, and blessed are all who take refuge in him. Church, that's the word of the Lord. The nations throughout history may rise up against other nations. They, even in their pride, may think they are rising up against God or the Creator. But God, it says, sits in heaven and scoffs at them because God has set his king over his throne of Zion amen and we know his anointed is Jesus Christ himself for this is a great reminder and promise that one day Jesus will come back to this earth after he has taken us up to be with him we will return with him as he comes to earth to set up his kingdom and be the one true and rightful king the heir to that kingdom that the Father has promised him. And then all will bow to him, the mighty king. Amen. Until then, the things that we see happening in Ukraine will continue to happen. The Bible tells us in prophetic words it will continue to happen with more intensity. But yet we are not to fear that we are to read words such as Psalm 2 and remember who is truly ruler over all. Let's pray together. Father, you are gracious in your heavenly place. You have set upon the throne in that future glorious kingdom, Jesus Christ. It is a promise that you make and we believe that you keep your promises. But for now, Lord God, we are on this earth living the life you have called us to live and we know because of sin that there will be wars, that there will continue to be rumors of wars, that people will be caught in the middle, even innocent people, lives will be lost. But Father, remind us often that you are in charge, that none of what is happening in that part of the world right now has taken you by surprise. So we pray, Father, for the people of Ukraine and the people of Russia, for their countries, and we pray, God, for their leaders. We pray that those leaders would turn and fear you. We pray for all those who are afraid that your everlasting arms would hold them in their great time of fear and trembling. We pray for for those leaders who choose war. Convict them that you are the God who decides life and death, not them, and that you choose peace. We pray for leaders on this whole world stage that they, would, that they would be encouraged and inspired by the wisdom and the courage that your word offers, that they would turn to your word in this time. Above all, Lord, we pray today for the peace of Ukraine, for the brothers and sisters in Christ from both of those countries, for the pastors and the leaders there Give them wisdom to lead their people, and we ask all of these things, your mercy, your compassion, we pray, Father, for peace in that land, that no more lives would be lost, no more blood would be shed, that those who have made this decision, Father, that they would be convicted that they would come under your punishment. Lord, ultimately, that they would turn to you. Father, we know from our perspective, these things seem impossible. But with you, God, nothing is impossible. So that's why we pray not to other people, but to you. And we entrust the care of all those in Ukraine and Russia to you. We pray, Father God, for your peace to reign and we pray in your powerful name, the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Church, let us continue to pray, whether you sign up or uh, on the website, or you just, um, you know, ask the Lord right now that he would remind you often this week, as you're driving, as you're working, as you're waking up, going to sleep, pray for what is happening. Um, There's more that I can say about that, more than and I have time for this morning, and it's not our particular topic, but I believe that, um, as many have said, that things are not falling apart. They are falling into place. If we believe that the God of the Bible is true, and we believe that his word is true, even the words of prophecy, especially the words of prophecy that tell us what will happen in the future. And so that's why we can put our faith and trust in God so we are starting our series in First and Second Peter, and I think it's aptly called Following Jesus in a Hostile World. We're going to start by looking at the first five verses. I want to read that for you, and then um, we're going to uh, just briefly expound on just three things from this passage. Three words and phrases that the Apostle Peter uses, I think, that will will get your attention even as I read it and to see how important it is that we remain hopeful in times of desperate despair. I'm going to unpack a little bit about the context of why Peter was writing this letter and to whom he was writing it and you'll see how relevant it is to the events that are going on in our world today. Here it is: First Peter chapter 1 verses 1 through 5. the last time. Hallelujah. I feel like I could just read that a few more times and pray and be done. Is that not powerful words that the Apostle Peter uses to open his letter? But here's what makes it so more amazing and, and why it's so important that and spectacular that he opens this letter this way. Peter is writing to people he calls exiles in the dispersion, These are Christians, most of whom are Jewish believers. Remember the early church, the first Christians were all Jewish that came to then believe in Jesus Christ as the promised Messiah. But this was written in in the 60s AD, 63, 65 AD, something like that. And, And so the early church had been established for a good 20 to 30 years and there had already been persecution and that shouldn't surprise us. So Peter is writing to the Christians who have been dispersed. He calls them the dispersion. Your your version might say the diaspora, which is a word you might have heard before. They are the exiles, the diaspora, the dispersed and scattered Christians in those areas of the world. In Asia Minor, which is now part of Turkey. To that area, he wrote this letter so they would pass it around to all the churches. Why? Because the Christians, Jew and Gentile, but Christians, the churches, were being severely persecuted. They were ostracized. They didn't have a homeland. They didn't have a place to call their own. They were struggling to remain in community. The Jews had cast them out for their beliefs. The Romans had begun to see them as annoying and to persecute them. They were, they were experiencing persecution like never before, and it's only been 30 years since the, the church was established from the day of Pentecost. So they are dispersed where they had been together in Jerusalem. They are now living in all different parts of the known world there, and they are feeling alone because, Peter says, they are exiled and part of the dispersion. Today, we have a people group in the country of Ukraine who are now, many of them, exiled, being dispersed and scattered. Where? From their homeland. As Christians, we can relate to that. Because we know that we truly are, as believers in Christ, exiles and part of the diaspora being dispersed around the world because we are absent from our true homeland and church that true homeland is in heaven one day we will return there we look forward to that just as exiles throughout world history have experienced that feeling this side of heaven of knowing what it's like to be dispersed from their homeland we see it unfolding every day in the news of the war And so there are people right now, there have been, and we just don't always see it in the news consistently, but especially people that we see in Ukraine are experiencing what it means to be in exile and dispersed from a homeland, a homeland where they feel secure and protected and comforted around other people that are like-minded with the same culture and the same faith. See, we desire that and we crave that. We need that as human beings, don't we? we find that whenever we go somewhere we try to find people that are like-minded when we go somewhere that that is not our homeland where we are not necessarily used to being and so peter says they are exiles of the dispersion exiles removed banished separated from a homeland usually by force or because of severe circumstances sound familiar But we are exiles, spiritually speaking, as well. The dispersion, the diaspora, a scattered people beyond the borders of their homeland. That word today is often used in reference to the Jewish people. Because until 1948, they did not have an actual nation or homeland to go back to. They were dispersed throughout the world. Yet, because of God's hand of provision, remained as a people with a culture and a faith and even a language. But yet they are called the diaspora. But here in Peter's letter, he's talking about Christians, many of them Jewish believers now, Gentiles as well, but Christians who were alone, who were exiles and dispersed and scattered, not of their own desire, but being persecuted because of their faith. Now, you know, it can be hard for us to wrap our minds around what that feels like and looks like. You know, for as long as I've been a Christian, I've heard about and read about and seen videos, right, and heard missionaries talk about what life is like for Christians in different parts of the world where they experience regular and consistent and severe persecution because they're Christians, I can honestly say I don't believe I've ever experienced that. Now, of course, we may be mocked for our faith when we try to, to share the gospel, the way that we choose to live our lives, or things we abstain from, and people might make fun of us. That could be a form of persecution, but it's nothing compared to what these Christians in Peter's day were experiencing or what we have seen through the last 2,000 years around the world. So Peter is writing to a group of believers who are facing intense persecution, but he's writing to encourage them. Do you see in his opening words he says to them, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Perhaps they heard those words being read to them in their church and are like, wait, what? Peter is saying we're blessed and we should bless God and thank God? For what? and then Peter says because according to his great mercy he has caused us to be born again to a living hope let's park there for a second just a few minutes ago we were singing about our living hope weren't we Jesus Christ our living hope so so Peter reminds them they have been born again into a living hope they are new people in Jesus Christ 2 Corinthians 5:17 many of you know it well That we are new creations in Christ Jesus. The old is gone, the new has come. And Peter's reminding them, yes, you're facing persecution. Yes, you're scattered and separated from from those that you loved and wanted to worship with. But remember who you truly are, that you are new in Jesus Christ. No matter our circumstances, whether there is war or there is peace, whether it's thousands of miles away or it's at our front door, Our circumstances may change greatly, but yet we have been born again into a living hope. It's a living hope. Because it's not a hope that's just unreachable, it's far out there. Like when we say, oh, I hope it happens someday. That's not the hope of the Bible. Peter is saying it's a living hope. It's one that should remain alive in us so we can continue to look forward to what we have in store for us. That Christ has in store for us. That we have been born again. Into a living hope. And of course why? It's because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. not that beautiful? That's why it's a living hope. Because Jesus is no longer in the grave. And no longer on the cross. Amen? So it is a living hope. Our hope is in Jesus Christ. And no other. We have a young woman named marina who is living with us and she's working with a local ministry and she's staying with us temporarily and um, it just so happens that she was born in the ukraine she speaks ukrainian and russian and she came here as a child grew up in the u.s but has lived abroad in ukraine has lived in israel and and is now here on the east coast serving the lord in a local ministry and It has been um, a blessing and an eye-opener to hear some of the stories that she has shared about all of her family back in Ukraine. She has close family, grandparents, aunts, and uncles, cousins that live both in Ukraine and in Russia. She has given us some interesting insight, which I think helps us understand this nature of being exiles and dispersed. She even has this great desire to go back to be with her family for a time because even though her family's in California and safe and sound here in the US, she still feels like an exile and dispersed because of what's going on with her people, the people that she, that she connects with in, in, in her birth home of Ukraine. Here's something I wanted to share, which maybe some of you have heard in, in the news, which was um, just, I, I had no idea it worked this way, but because the Ukraine Used to be part of the Soviet Union, they were all one people group, and of course we know Russia and Ukraine are—they border one another as countries. Ukraine is the largest country by landmass in Europe, and so we have all we understand and been learning about why uh, Putin and Russia is trying to you know do what they're doing. But yet, what this woman was telling us, she said, Keith and Claudia you have to realize that most of the Russians, most of the Russian soldiers have friends and close family that live in the Ukraine. They are going in by orders of their commander to attack, to destroy, even to kill people that they are closely associated with. Everybody in Ukraine speaks Russian. Everybody in Russia has relatives in Ukraine. And yet this is what's happening. She said it's almost more like a civil war. Think about that. That the people in Ukraine that need to flee are being exiled from their own homeland by people who very well are their own relatives. We can't even imagine what it's like over there and what they're going through. So continue to pray for them as we see videos of people fleeing their homes and hunkering down and trying to protect themselves, we watch, but for most of us, we really don't know what it's actually like. The people, Peter was writing to people in exile, not because of physical war, but a spiritual warfare. To the diaspora, the dispersed believers around the known world. They were in exile from Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, their homeland, because of persecution. These words that Peter speaks to them are words of hope, but hope for us today as well. But it also gives us hope for our brothers and sisters in that part of the world, amen? Even as they have to flee, have to flee their churches and their homes, yet we know that their trust is not even just in soldiers, but more importantly in the Lord Jesus Christ. So Peter says that we are born again into a living hope. So simply, church, it means there is always hope, no matter our circumstances, even in the midst of great persecution. Church, no matter what happens in the days, weeks, and years in our country, what it looks like with our freedoms uh, of expressing our faith, whatever that may look like, however that may change, let us remember these words, we have been born again to a living hope. Why? Because this is not our true home. Right? This is not our true home. It is in heaven. But look at what he says next in verse 4. So we have been caused, right, to a born again, to a living hope, to an inheritance, verse 4. To an inheritance, and he says three things about this great inheritance, that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, and is kept in heaven for you, the fourth thing. Let's unpack that for a minute. We have a great inheritance. We know that concept of inheritance, right? Usually we think of money or land. You're going to inherit something when a loved one dies and passes on from this life. You're going to inherit something because they left something for you. They have prepared in their will to say what they've left for you. They have spent their lives putting something aside, preparing something good to leave to you, an inheritance, whatever that looks like. Peter is saying, Jesus Christ, because we are born again in him, because of his death and resurrection, has given us a great inheritance. An inheritance is not something that we own or have possession of right now, it is future. It is something that we look forward to, something that is set aside and prepared for us in the future. And so Peter says, we are saved, born again to a living hope, to an inheritance that is neither imperishable, that is undefiled, and is unfading. That's kept in heaven for you. Now, remember the story of the prodigal son? Remember he came to his father, and what did he ask for? His inheritance. He says, Dad, I want my inheritance now. I can't wait until you die you're pretty healthy looking, and I don't want to wait for that. I want my inheritance now. I want to spend what is waiting for me in the future, what is saved and set aside. I want it now. And so the father gives it to him. And he goes. And he experiences life with his inheritance now. We know how that story goes. He winds up coming back to the father and says, father, forgive me. But what did he do with his inheritance? He wasted it. If we, if God were to give us our inheritance now, I believe each one of us would waste it. We would. But this inheritance that we have, this inheritance that awaits us, Peter says, is imperishable. What does that mean? That we have in Jesus Christ something that will not corrupt or decay. Everything in this world is subject, because of sin, to decay. Everything is breaking down and dying. Even the things that grow, they decay and die before they grow again. But what we have in our inheritance is imperishable. It will not decay or die. Everything on this earth is in the process of decaying or rusting or falling apart, but our treasure is in heaven. It's unaffected by any of those things, any of those laws of physics. That apply here on earth. Because we have been born again into something that is not perishable. He says it later on in, in verse 23. Not of perishable seed, but of imperishable through the living and enduring word of God. Peter says that later in verse 23. So our inheritance is not subject to decay or corruption, but is imperishable. But also he says. Our inheritance is undefiled. Maybe a word we don't use a lot these days, but it's undefiled, it is untainted, it is pure and perfect for what its intended use is. What we have in Christ is free from anything that would degrade it. Because nothing on earth is perfect. Even the most beautiful things have a flaw if you look closely enough. But Christ is perfect himself. And so the inheritance he offers in and of itself is perfect. Holy, blameless, pure, set apart. Our inheritance in him is also that. Revelation 21-27 says that nothing impure will ever enter the new Jerusalem, nor will anyone who does what is shameful or deceitful. That's the new world, the new heaven, and the new earth that will be like the original creation. The way God intended it. That's our inheritance. But Peter also says a third thing, that it's unfading. It's unfading. That means it's enduring. It will last forever. It is eternal. Any inheritance that we gain in this world, we cannot take with us. We might try, we can't hard for us to imagine something that can exist forever because what we're used to seeing is things that might last a long time then begin to fade away just don't make things the way they used to do they (laughs) they make things purposely to fade away so that you have to buy them again right how many times you got to go buy a new pair of sneakers when they could make them to last a lot longer? But you got to keep going. They design them to be that way, right? But our inheritance is unfading because it's not of this world. Again, in Revelation 21, God says, I am making everything new. We can praise God that our inheritance is all those things. But then finally, he says also that our inheritance not only is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, but is kept in heaven for you. Our inheritance is in Christ is reserved for us and kept secure. In this world we might worry that something's going to happen to our financial inheritance. Either somebody's going to spend it before we get to use it, or maybe the stocks it's invested in are going to crash and it won't be worth anything, or maybe it's a it's an old antique car and you're afraid it's going to fall apart before you get it. Whatever it is, we might have those worries that that inheritance that somehow has been promised to us might not be there when we get there. Like Social Security, now. Our inheritance in Christ is reserved. It's kept in heaven for us, secure and waiting. Secure and waiting. Listen to these verses, church. Hebrews eleven ten. Like Abraham, we are looking forward to the city with foundations whose architect and builder is God. See what he's saying? That's what Abraham was looking forward to. Nothing that could be built in this world compares to our riches and our inheritance in heaven, whose architect and builder is God. The Holy Spirit guarantees our inheritance. It says this in Ephesians 1, when you believed, you were marked in Jesus with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance. The Holy Spirit is the, the inheritance is reserved and guaranteed. And then, John ten twenty eight to twenty nine, Jesus says, "I give them eternal life, and they shall never pass them out of my hand. My Father, who has given them to me, is greater than all." No one can snatch them out of my Father's hand. Our inheritance, eternal life with God, the creator of the universe, is safe and secure because of what Christ has done for us. And he promises us nothing can snatch us away. Nothing can take away that inheritance. What about the suffering? What about those that are exiled in the dispersion that Peter is talking about? Even in the midst of suffering, we can look forward to our inheritance. Romans 8.17 Now if we are children, then we are heirs. Heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share in His sufferings, in order that we may also share in His glory. There will be sufferings in this life but not so in the eternal life to come, which is our perfect inheritance. One day, we will return to our true homeland, heaven, and receive our full inheritance. When we understand and value the glory that awaits us, we are better able to endure whatever comes our way, this life. We keep our eyes on Jesus. We are told to set our minds on things above where Christ is, not on things of the earth. Because when we do, we can get overwhelmed with war, with pandemics, whatever it may be, that is resting the attention and fueling the fears of the people of this world. Remember that we are the people of hope. We are the people of hope. We have this great message. As Peter was writing to the exiles dispersed, we can do the same thing as we pray for our brothers and sisters in Ukraine that are dispersed from their their homeland. For those around the world experiencing the same thing, we can pray for them. Peter knows what it was like. Those Christians he was writing to, they know what it's like. Church, we really, in a spiritual sense, know what it's like because we are not in our true home. And so it is difficult to live out our faith in a world that is increasingly antagonistic towards us. Remember the, 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 the tagline of our series, following Jesus in a hostile world. It used to be a world, at least let's say in our country, where it was favored and celebrated, and then it became more so just indifferent. An indifference to our faith. But then naturally what happens as it moves from favored to indifferent to then hostile. Antagonistic. Well, the Bible predicts it. It It says that's what we should expect. That we should expect that suffering on behalf of our faith, because of our faith. Because if Jesus Christ is our Lord and He suffered then as his followers, we should expect suffering too. 2 Corinthians 4.18 We fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. We see a lot these days, don't we? We see more than any previous generation because of our access to information and what's going on at any part of the world at any given time. But yet we are to fix our eyes in the midst of all that on what is eternal and not what is temporary. Finally, I'll leave you with this verse, Psalm 16. Lord, you alone are my portion and my cup. You make my lot secure. The boundary lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Surely, I have a delightful inheritance. For that, we can be thankful. But I have to say, if you're hearing me this morning, whether you're here or you're, you're watching online, if you have not yet believed in the Lord Jesus Christ for the salvation of your sin, then you do not yet have a promised inheritance in heaven. For Jesus says himself, he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So that eternal inheritance, that eternal life, that forgiveness of sin which separates us from our Creator God is only reconciled to the blood of Jesus Christ. In the Scripture over and over again, hundreds of times in the New Testament alone, says the way to salvation is simply believe. Believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved. When you believe in the Lord Jesus, you are believing that He is who He says He is, and He did what He said He was going to do. That He is God Himself, able to do what He said He was going to do, and that is to die on the cross and come back to life three days later defeated death when we believe that is the truth and then we trust in that truth for our eternal salvation from our personal sin Bible says we are saved. that Holy Spirit comes to indwell you your salvation your inheritance is sealed and secured that is the way of Jesus Christ so we can be thankful and we can praise him And be a people of hope even in the times of great distress and fear and trial Peter says so himself as he writes to these dispersed Christians in exile he says blessed be the name of our God and Father Jesus Christ why because he is greatly merciful and he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven. And finally, verse 5, he says, Who, by God's power, are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. Our salvation is true here and now. What Peter is saying is that when Christ returns, our full inheritance, the fullness of our revelation will be ours and truly experienced when we are glorified in him let's stand together and pray father god thank you for our time together thank you of course for your words your amazing words that speak life to us that remind us that we are born again as christians born again not to this world but to our true homeland born again into a living hope that one day we will receive that inheritance thank you Lord that that inheritance is kept by you safe and secure thank you that we have the Holy Spirit as our seal and sign of that coming inheritance Lord only you know when that day will come when Jesus will return for us only you know but until then Lord may we be found living out the living hope into which we have been born as we keep our eyes fixed on you on the things that are unseen not the things that are seen father god protect our eyes protect our ears protect our minds from those things that we just can't help seeing about what is happening lord god help us to process it through your word always may we go to prayer may we get on our knees and pray for the people in need Lord, we pray for de-escalation, not escalation. We pray, God, that ultimately you would have your way. Lord, we know you're coming back in judgment, but until that day, you are offering salvation to anyone who will believe. Lord, we know that it doesn't mean our lives will get easier. Oftentimes, they get more difficult, more suffering. But in the midst of it all, Lord, we can be a thankful, humble people we look forward to that inheritance with great hope lord help us to remain hopeful until that day we pray in jesus name amen amen enjoy some fellowship for a few minutes in about 10 minutes or so we'll begin our uh, our annual meeting in the back so stick around for that
1: One two, hello, test, hello. Bring up a little bit,
0: folks. We're gonna meet. We're gonna start the meeting in about five minutes. If you haven't signed in yet, please go over to the podium. If you're a member of the church, so that we can get everybody signed in to make sure we have a quorum for our.